sum 119 is broken down into batches of eight, which I should have said last week actually. Uh, sum 119 verses one down to eight is the first batch. Nine down to 16 will be the second and 17 down to 24 will be the third. Also in your King James Bibles, you will notice the term Aleph or Aleph above uh, verse one, which is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Above verse nine is Beth, of course, Bethel, house of God. Above 17 and Gimel, and you've gone from A, B and G. C for Charlie isn't found until you hit verse 57. Sheth or Sheeth, and also from 25, Daleth or Daleth. So the way this is laid out is Psalm 119 will be 176 verses and each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, incidentally it's 22 letters for the Hebrew alphabet. Each letter is given eight verses or eight verses are assigned to each Hebrew letter. It's a very unique part of the scripture this and in a nutshell Psalm 119 is about the word of God. So I just wanted to put that down on tape today we forgot to do that last week and let's just quickly pray which we didn't do last week father god please bless this recording bless the psalm we are now in uh, the winter months the clocks went back overnight and we give you thanks lord for more light in the morning but of course it gets darker in the evening earlier we praise those uh, that are walking with you that are reading thy word that are on the streets regularly in the uk the us and elsewhere we give you thanks, Father, for allowing us to break bread every Sunday to read thy word and approach the book of Psalms in an historical way. Please make these verses real to your church listening today live all over the world. We give uh, you thanks, Father, for allowing us to use modern technology to uh, speak to the body of Christ and to, in, uh, and to encourage ourselves and to renew our minds. So please bless this service in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So just very briefly recap. 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet and each part of the psalm will be assigned to a particular letter A alpha verses 1 down to 8 Beth second letter of the Hebrew alphabet 9 down to 16 Gimel 17 down to 24 and so on and so forth they are very different to us for example we go uh, we write left to right they go right to left we have 26 letters in our alphabet they have 22 you say uh, did the Lord limit man back in the Old Testament to knowing just one language well the answer is yes and no you speak to Muslims they say do you know Arabic and if you say no you can't know their book or you go to Bible seminary they say if you don't speak Greek you can't know the New Testament they like to play these games to make you feel inadequate uh, but we'll discuss that perhaps later today just go back to verse 8 please from Psalm 119 I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Most people believe you can lose your salvation. And I spent many years trying to debunk such a statement. It puts the fear of God into people. They live, a, they live with a level of anxiety that if they do this or that. And don't repent. They go to hell forever. It's a very powerful tool you can hold over people. If you were a cult leader, you'd have a great time, wouldn't you? Just dangling that over the heads of ignorant people. And that's why the church of Rome are so successful for so long. Yeah. Keeping people in their system. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. So think back to the Old Testament very briefly. You've got someone like uh, David who would say he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He would say that uh, his son, who the Lord killed, going back to the Bathsheba incident, 
uh, was safe first and foremost. He said, uh, he can't come to me, but I can go to him uh, in the resurrection, of course. We think back to when uh, Samuel spoke to Saul and he said, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. That's just three examples from the Old Testaments of Jewish saints knowing where they would go when they died. Just three examples. Of course, for them, it's different to us. They're in a, they are in a theocratic system. They're in a land, per se, which is still very much in use today, isn't it? And they had to do X, Y, and Z to stay safely in the land, which I want to explain further this morning. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Ephesians 6 is the best way to, is, is, is the best place to go to understand this particular scripture. Like I said a few moments ago, if you were, for example, a false teacher or an unstable teacher or an immature teacher, you could run to these verses and put the fear of God into people. You could say this, for example, uh, do you go to church? You say, uh, well, no, I have a house church or I have a small fellowship. They'll say that's not really the same thing. Yeah. They'll say you need a pastor over you. So you say, okay, which pastor do you recommend? It's a bit quiet then. We go to a local church and you realize two or three families run it. And of course, most people who push this the most are speaking from their own pulpit, if you will. It's their own church. It's their way or no way. They play this game, you see. And of course, that's a form of lordship salvation. And many years ago, there was a preacher called Barry Smith. He was a New Zealand preacher. Good preacher. Premillennial, King James man. And unfortunately, he got into the whole lordship salvation thing. And he went on about it for year after year after year. And he said this. He said, uh, if you're not in a local church, you may as well be dead. Because nobody knows who you are or where you are. His daughter killed herself, sadly, some years later. His church froze him out. They thought that was the unpardonable sin, you see. Going back to you can lose your salvation. Of course, you can't, but they believed you could. And poor old Barry, with his wife and three other children, were slightly lost. What do we do? We've got no church building to go to. We're very much lost, alone in the world, so on and so forth. They started their own church. And, of course, it worked for them. It took them a long time, and they had to learn a hard lesson to come out of that lordship salvation mentality. Buried on his farm, that's right. Yeah. Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now watch it. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. That's the context to passages such as this. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Don't allow me to die prematurely. Don't allow me to lose my land or the inheritance of my kin, of my family. That's the context. I will say this, that in the Old Testament, salvation isn't as clear as it is for the New Testament. Uh, God Almighty looked forward to the cross. We look back to the cross, of course. But they knew they were saved. That's the whole point. They knew they were saved, and that, they had that assurance. Where for us, it's crystal clear. Absent from the body, present, present, present with the Lord. Verse 10 again. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. That's a real honest statement. I don't want to wander away from you. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. You are my life. You are my Lord. You are my love. And unfortunately, I'm prone to wander from the God I love. That's the old hymn, of course. A lot of truth in that. And most people, when they drift from the Lord, even when they come back, and most do, they don't drift again. Uh, you've learned a valuable lesson if you've been gone from the Lord for a period of time. I don't say you should do that. I hope you never do do that. But if you ever do drift from the Lord and you get uh, uh, you get cold or lukewarm or you start to dry up or whatever it may be and you get into a way of 
life, backslidden life. Uh, you just feel miserable, miserable inside of yourself. But when you come back to the Lord, you start to feel alive again. And that's what you don't want to ever lose. Hebrews 11, look at verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. You are saved by faith. You walk by faith. You live and die by faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Like with their whole heart. Go back to Psalm 119. So in a nutshell, these passages are really dealing with, one, with one's uh, state, not standing. Which needs to be said time after time. Jump down to verse 25. Let's start today's service in earnest. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. You came from dust. You go back to dust. There's a picture of your first birth being a son of Adam which won't cut it with God Almighty. What you need is the new birth. Colon, quicken thou me according to thy word. Go to Revelation, make that Romans, excuse me, Romans. Uh, Romans and, uh, see, you know, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And look at verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. By his spirit that dwelleth in you. Go back to Psalm 119 verse 25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. It sticks to the dust. Going back to when you got saved. Your, uh, your soul received an operation. Some have said it was cut free. Not sure about that. But an operation took place. A supernatural operation. And your soul has now been set free. You're now alive. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Of course, the word of God is written and it's also living going back to Romans 8 11 but of the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken make alive your mortal bodies by a spirit Holy Ghost that dwelleth in you back to Psalm 119 please look at verse 26 I have declared my ways and thou heardest me this is my way of life that's what the psalmist is saying Teach me thy statutes. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. It's a great blessing to be a Bible teacher. It comes with a lot of responsibility. And sometimes we get misunderstood. Uh, we can either overemphasize something or underemphasize something. It's very difficult to get it right all of the time. Uh, like I said last week, the job of a Bible teacher is to teach doctrine and theology to the church and to give the gospel to the lost don't mix the two up i see people in the streets all the time with musical instruments having a praise service you don't do that on the streets you don't get the tambourine out the keyboard or the trumpets and have a worship service it's not for the world it's for the church that's for the church you don't go to the streets and do a bible study that's for the church you preach the law to the lost the gospel to the lost then once they get saved if they get saved you have music for the worship service well of course and the scripture to teach and grow people i've declared my ways and thou heardest me well done thou faithful servant so on and so forth teach me thy statutes Hebrews 5 and uh, Hebrews 5 pick it up in verse 12 for, uh, for when for the time you ought to be teachers you have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God and I become such as of need of milk and not of strong meat a child grows up doesn't grow backwards or go down he grows up she grows up they start with the the light stuff they go into solids and they progress from there well of course for every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for he is a babe 
he's like a child. But strong meat belongeth to them that to a full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So what you don't want to do, for example, go back to Psalm 119. If you just get saved, go to the book of Hebrews <laughs> and try and crack it. That's the worst place to go to. You don't want to go to a tough passage and try to work out the gospel like James 2. How you're saved, how you're saved by your works and your faith, which of course is incorrect. But that's what normally that's what people normally do. You start with something like, "He that believeth on the Son hath life, hath everlasting life," or "He that hath the Son hath life." Start with something really simple, and "He that hath not the Son of God hath not life," uh, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. Start with a really, really easy passage, then go to the tough ones and try and harmonize the two. Don't take a vague. Uh, difficult passage to work out or build that or build a doctrine around that start with something really simple like john three sixteen or john five twenty four, or john three thirty six, for example start there and then go to the tougher parts of scripture like the book of hebrews the book of james or even the book of acts for that matter psalm 119 still psalm 119 uh, 26 again i have declared my ways and thou heardest me Teach me thy statutes. You'll get that from the scripture, reading it each and every day, without which you will not grow. You will become dry, lukewarm, and just shrivel up and die prematurely. 27. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. You're like a walking Bible. Go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and I want verse uh, let's see now 4 4.31 4.31 4.31 and when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake spoke the word of God with boldness that's what we need more than ever today go back to Psalm 119 make me to understand the way of thy precepts Old Testament law under the law uh, dealing with how to live a righteous life how to get your cop uh, your crops to grow uh, how to get your prayers answered so shall I talk of thy wondrous works I want to tell people how great you have been Jehovah God if you haven't got a testimony what can you tell people in the street but if you've been saved for three four five years or whatever and you've had your prayers answered tell people that share, share your testimony with people Look at 28. My soul melteth for heaviness. It's like being in love. Melteth for heaviness. Strengthen now me according unto thy word. Heaviness is negative. But to be strengthened according to thy word is positive. So these scriptures, the antidote for living a heavy life. We say we feel heavy today. We say we don't feel right today. We feel washed out today. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen now me according unto thy word. Do you realize during the dark ages the Catholic Church banned the Bible? It was locked away. And for centuries you hadn't got access. You didn't, know, you didn't have access to the word of God. Most people couldn't read or write. And how could you grow? You couldn't grow. And if you didn't read or write, and most did not, you were very much at the, uh, the mercy of the Catholic Church. And that's why the Reformation was a great blessing for many people. But for me it didn't go far enough. Uh, my soul melteth for heaviness strengthen now me according unto thy word so Psalm 119 like I said a few minutes ago is about the word of God the largest chapter in the Bible and the word of God says if you love me keep my words and that's why it's imperative to have a Bible that you read and cherish and obey 
But like I said, the antidote is in the scripture. It will lift your heaviness and give you strength. It's like going without a meal for several hours. You get physically weak, don't you? You start to feel pretty rough. Look at 29. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. Ephesians chapter 4, please. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. All lies with a part in the lake of fire. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, it's funny when people say there's no such thing as absolute truth anymore. And you join a group of some kind and they ask you all these questions and they say, uh, give us the truth or speak the truth, they say, don't lie. Uh, because if you lie we don't know what to do with you or you may mislead people all of a sudden there is absolute truth remove from me the way of lying perpetual liars and grant me thy law graciously what a great prayer Ephesians 4 and uh, look at 20 let's see now Ephesians 4 25 wherefore putting away lying speak every man truth with his neighbour we are members one of another going back to love your neighbor as yourself which none of us do and yet we should we tolerate those that we don't like and we associate with those that we do like we very rarely go out of our way to take care of those that we do not like that's to our shame 30 i have chosen the way of truth there's your free will now you think back to the days of martin luther and john calvin and john knox and in more modern times john macarthur R.C. Sproul and James White, they are all against free will. And Luther wrote a book about free will. He said uh, it doesn't exist. It's basically a satanic lie, which is a rather silly thing to say. That's what he wrote. And all of your Calvinists since the days of Luther all hold to no free will. Or MacArthur says, he says, uh, you are born in sin, which is true. And your soul is subject to sin, which is also true. And you cannot choose right from wrong, good or evil, which is incorrect. It's not true. And that's why... When you deal with Calvinism, Calvinism as a system, it attacks free will. Because, of course, in their system, everything is preordained. God has already chosen his elect before time began, literally. And those who weren't chosen can't be saved. They can't be redeemed because they weren't chosen to begin with. The decrees of God are eternal and unconditional. And if you don't believe me, just go back and reread re -re some of the writings from even people like, uh, let's see now... Uh, David Brainard, I've got a lot of respect for him, and uh, Edwards, Jonathan Edwards. These are all these old-time Calvinists. They all preach a very hard five-point tulip message. In recent years, what's happened is the Calvinists have had to soften slightly. MacArthur softened, R.C. Spool to some extent, James White to some extent, because, of course, not all people that go to their church are a Calvinist. But historically speaking, if you've ever studied uh, Calvinism, Reformed uh, teaching, replacement theology, and I have done, they are really against free will. In fact, they call it Romanism to the back door. So be careful of getting involved with those types of systems. I have chosen the way of truth. I have chosen. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have are laid before me. What do they say? Do you swear to the whole truth and nothing but the truth? So help me God. That's what they say in a court of law. At least they used to. I think up until quite recently, you used to swear in the Bible. Yeah. Not anymore though. No. But you have to take the oath. And you have to swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, without which you would have nothing to hold on to. I have chosen the way of truth. There's your free will. Thy judgments have I laid before me, like honor the righteous, punish the unrighteous, take care of the widows, the orphans, 
uh, don't steal from the poor that goes back to a good decent uh, Jewish state in verse 8 cross reference it back to Ephesians 6 and if you keep those statutes the law will be good amen you'll live long on the earth well of course your children will be prosperous and be good be a good part of the family unit that's the context to this particular psalm it's not losing your salvation and going to hell please get that into your mind if you hold to once saved you can be lost i'll give you a quick analogy i give it all the time but it's still good you're on a ship at sea you are being circled by hungry sharks you cannot swim you have no life jacket you have no way to rescue yourself a ship maybe 200 200 yards away starts to shout to you just jump into the sea and we'll pick you up we have no lifeboats we have no way of saving you you can't swim there are sharks all around you what are you talking about just jump into the sea and swim to the other ship you can't swim and if you could the sharks would eat you they would kill you that's what salvation is all about you can't save yourself that's why christ saved you he jumped into the sea for you if you will and carried you on his back if you will and got you to shore i can't put it any clearer than that you cannot save yourself and you cannot keep yourself saved if you could what did christ have to come and die for look at 31 i've stuck unto thy testimonies we say uh, i'm going to stick to him like thick i'm going to stick to him through thick and thin again these are great idioms i have stuck unto thy testimonies i'm with you through thick and thin O lord put me not to shame go to titus chapter 2 titus chapter 2 the jew had a great responsibility back in biblical times he was to dress a particular way he was to speak a particular way he would go right to left like i've already said we go left to right he had 22 letters in his alphabet we have 26 and he couldn't even marry outside of his own circle of people and if he did this or that he was cut off i'll give you a passage from uh, second chronicles soon that'll make your blood run cold titus 2 look at verse 8 uh, sound speech that cannot be condemned the he that is of the country part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you your state should be so high you should be able to to shine as a christian really raise the bar as high as possible and just put your i won't say enemies but your adversaries perhaps or your advocates just a shame they can't criticize you what they will do what they will do is find something in your book to attack you over like they would do with daniel back in the book of daniel sound speech that cannot be condemned be that as the country part may be ashamed he'll be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you they couldn't find fault in daniel who's a type of jesus christ go back to psalm 119 and jesus would say to the jews which of you convicted me uh, convicted me uh, of sin and they couldn't say a word because of course he was without sin i have stuck unto thy testimonies i'm with you till thick i'm with you uh i'm with you through thick and thin O lord put me not to shame i will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart go to isaiah chapter 40 40 look at 30 40 31 but they that wait upon the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with eagles as me, they shall mount up as wings with, they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint wait upon the lord he shall renew your strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles like a bird of course in the air of course the eagle is uh, king of the air they shall run and not be weary you won't get overly tired 
and they shall walk and not faint new testament i want uh, romans 6 first of all i want galatians 5 romans 9 uh, let's see now romans 9 romans 9 and look at verse 16 so then it is not of him that willeth nor of him that runneth but of god that showeth mercy you cannot save yourself going back to running or willing to be saved you go back to john chapter 1 not those are born of the flesh or the will of man but of god the new birth is all of god going back to once saved always saved all of your past present and future sins covered by the blood of christ without which you'd have no salvation so then it is not of him that willeth nor of him that runneth but of god that showeth mercy one more galatians chapter 5 galatians chapter 5 galatians is a great book to deal with lordship salvation and to really uh, deal with that system once and for all and of course the flip side to lordship salvation is uh carnality uh, the embrace of do whatever you want which is what the which is what the corinthians were guilty of they wouldn't deal with this or that and of course they went from one extreme to the other just because you are saved doesn't mean you live as you will and if you live as you will you're going to get whipped and chastened by god almighty um, and uh, you'll pay a huge price for that galatians 5 5 5 5 5 7 you did run well who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth what took place in the life of you dear galatians you start off really well in chapter 3 he says oh for this galatians who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes jesus christ hath been evidently sent forth crucified among you this only would i learn of you received of the spirit by the works of the law you get saved by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith are you so foolish having begun in the spirits are you now made perfect by the flesh back to Psalm 119 well of course not the law is good if it's used lawfully but it won't save you now it keeps you clean i'll give you that it keeps you alert alert and alive and sharp amen but it won't save you and it won't uh do anything else for you apart from show, show you your sin so you need to be very careful with the with the law it's like a double-edged sword 33 teach me O lord the way of thy statutes and i shall keep it unto the end hebrews chapter 3 please now there's a slightly eschatological application here but only slightly uh, hebrews 3 again written to the hebrews always be mindful of that don't start in hebrews if you've been saved six months <laughs> or book of james if you've been saved 12 months start in the pauline epistles get galatians uh romans ephesians down colossians as well and then go to hebrews uh james and first and second peter always interprets a scripture a clear scripture in light with another clear scripture or take five or six clear verses and use those to interpret maybe three or four not so clear verses that's hermeneutics otherwise you get into a real mess hebrews 3 look at verse uh let's see now uh, 3 3 6 but christ as a son over his own house whose house are we if we hold fast to confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end 14 for we, for we are made partakers of christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end matthew 24 matthew 24 this also gets uh, thrown around by certain dispensationalists i'm afraid to say who teach a faith and works plan of salvation 
for the tribulation, which is completely incorrect. Uh, Matthew twenty four thirteen. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Go back to Psalm 119. So during the tribulation, during the first century, uh, you had the Jews that got saved, and there was a great uh, there was a great pressure put on them to abandon Christ and go back to the law. You find that in John six 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 six. Count the three count the three sixes to give up Jesus and go back under the law, and of course that would be an anathema. It couldn't save you to start with, and it won't save you after you have been saved. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end, the end of my days. But in type for Hebrews 3 and Matthew 24, I'm going to keep it as well as I can, and I will walk with you, Lord God. I'll have the the, uh, the testimony of Jesus, and I'll keep the commandments of uh, the Lord. Going back to in the tribulation, the third temple is up and running, as it was during the first century, in the first century the Jews were believers in Jesus who went to the temple for a period of time and they did not uh, to get saved but because they were already saved to be Jews to the Jews to get the Jews saved and that temple uh, was part of their culture and it will, it will return again during the tribulation because it won't save them but it's part of their culture so walk a fine line if you try to uh, explain to a Jew in the tribulation what he or she is meant to do 34 give me understanding and i shall keep thy law yea i shall observe it with my whole heart back to that term again my whole heart deuteronomy 11 please now a man who's really saved a woman who's really saved and reads the scripture every day and prays every day and witnesses every day is on fire for the lord every day and uh, that's all they're interested in simply speaking and uh, they have no interest in worldly affairs and uh, they are you know on fire for the Lord God was always a great thing to see I shall preserve it with my whole heart give me understanding and I shall keep thy law yea I shall observe it with my whole heart that of course is the aspiration but in reality it's not as simple as that uh, Deuteronomy 11 look at 13 it shall come to pass if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your hearts and with all your soul that I will give you the rain of your land in due season the first rain and the latter rain that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil no mention of salvation there but to retain the land to be prosperous and uh, get a blessing from God Almighty go back to Psalm 119 verse 35 make me to go in the path of thy commandments for therein do i delight second mention delight first mention in verse 24 thy testimonies also my delights and my counselors we closed last week in verse 24 going back to aleph verses 1 to 8 a and 9 down to 16 beth 17 down to 24 gimel and we ought to discuss that so the word of god will delight your soul it will give you a level of uh, counseling for free incidentally someone like sigmund freud made a lot of money offering counseling to mostly wealthy people mm. he didn't do pro bono work and of course once you get into the whole psychiatry psychology psychology psychological excuse me, psychiatry and psychology rackets uh you are trapped in that system for a long period of time you just go back week after week and talk about the same old thing and all they'll do those people is just listen to you just tickle your ears and say oh it must have been terrible for you awful father awful mother 
abandoned as a child, this or that. Just get over yourself, basically. Confess your sin to God Almighty. Pick up your cross, read the Bible, and just take it on the chin. And we've all got baggage. Just you know, accept it. But people like Freud and Jung and other people like that, and uh, the Canadian guy, I forget his name, is it Patterson? All those guys, they'll charge a lot of money to allow you to open up to them, like priests do to their parishioners. Go to the scripture. Confess your sin to God Almighty. Talk to them about your late father, your late mother, or whoever it may, whoever it may have been. And say, this is what happened to me as a young boy or young girl. Just talk to God. Tell them all about it. He knows about it anyway. And let the scripture give you peace and counselling. Make me to go, 35, in the path of thy commandments. It's a straight and narrow path. For therein do I delight. I love your word. Do something for me, Lord God. 36, incline my heart unto thy testimonies. Awaken me. Soften my stony heart. Again, the honesty here is beautiful. Incline my heart. It's not always turn to you, Lord God. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies. That's for the Old and for the New Testament. And not to covetousness. Go to Colossians chapter 3. To the psalmists, the Old Testament saints, the New Testament saints, church age saints, are all honest people. They should be at least when it comes to their standing and state. And you should know that you were never any good to start with. That's why Christ saved you. That's why he bled for you and keeps you saved. And uh, if you could lose your salvation, you would. Because we're all so wicked. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 and of course a good church will make you know that you're wicked it was Bob Jones used to say uh, a good church makes you feel mean about yourself which is what it should be all about when people say this to me they say I go to a good church what does that mean I go to a good church what that means is a pastor makes me feel good about myself he preaches a, uh, a prosperity message and he preaches this and preaches that and we all feel good about ourselves we don't feel rotten about ourselves that's not what, you should, that's not what a church is supposed to do a real church is supposed to come alongside you make you feel bad about yourself that you're cutting corners that you're not living like you should be living that you're messing around with this or that and you need to get out of it and of course if you preach that hard enough to people they don't want to go back to your church system that's why most churches are very careful how they play it incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness Colossians 3 and pick it up in verse 5 Mortify therefore your members which upon the earth. Paul speaking to the church, not the world. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things say the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, the unbelievers. That's saying that a Christian church in the first century that could fall into all sorts of problems if they didn't stay in the straight and narrow. Go back to Psalm 119, 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. That of course is Job. And quicken thou me in thy way. Renew me. Make me a new man. A clean, uh, clean person. Paul told you to renew your mind each and every day. Romans chapter 12. And it always works for me. People say I feel dry at the moment. So I don't feel so strong or this or that. I say get into the scripture. This is what you do I say. Sit down. If you, you, know, if you can. If you've got the time. And read Matthew in one sitting. If you can. Then read Mark in one sitting. Then read Luke and John and Acts in one sitting. Monday night Matthew, Tuesday night Mark, Wednesday night Luke, so on and so forth. And by the weekend, I promise you, you'll feel a lot better for it. It's as simple as that. Mm. Just read the scripture. And just read it and let it speak to you. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. 
There's no picture of sinless perfection. Do you notice that? 36, incline my heart. Uh, 37, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. Uh, 25, my soul cleaves to the dust. And uh, 29, remove from me the way of lying. And uh, 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes. This is honest Bible. This is what we want, honesty. There's no, uh, look at me, everybody. I'm a really, you know, great man of God, or great woman of God. I've got the old man nailed to the cross. I don't do this or that anymore. No, not at all. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Look at 38. Establish thy word unto thy servant. There's humility. And of course, we go from being a servant to a friend, from a friend to a son, from a son to a co-heir. Christ is our older brother. God is our father. You've got progression here, you see. Establish, we say establish. Establish thy word unto thy servant. Humility. Who is devoted to thy fear. I go to Second Corinthians. This is what a real revival looks like. And I guarantee you, whatever church you go to, you won't have read this before. <laughs> I heard this preached. Second Corinthians, excuse me, Second Chronicles, Old Testament. <laughs> Second Chronicles 15. Second Chronicles 15. Pick it up in verse 12. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their hearts and with all their soul. There's your free will again, attacked by Calvinists like Presbyterians, uh, hard shell Baptists, many different groups and denominations within the Calvinist movement, the Lutherans. And of course, they're wrong to do so. And they, people of Israel, entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their hearts and with all their soul. Look at this, 13. That whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death whether small or great whether man or woman just put them to death they're no good to Jehovah God now, this is the difference between the Old and the New Testaments a theocracy living under grace aren't you glad you live under grace not the law 14 and they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets cornets are like trumpets I mean this is quite a, quite a commotion it's like a jazz band I mean loud voice Shout at a rock concert with trumpets blowing away, cornets blowing away, and all Judah, all Judah, rejoiced at the oath. Incidentally, Judah, in biblical times, covered Gaza. So as of right now, Gaza, strictly speaking, is under the jurisdiction of Judah, which of course is part of Israel. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their hearts and sought him with their whole desire, and he was found of them. And the Lord gave them rest round about. And also concerning Makar, the mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen. Why? Because she had made an idol in a grove. Had an object, an image, a statue. Many of your Catholic friends and family have idols in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burnt it at the brook Kidron. What a bad son. Some of you people with Catholic mothers, could you do this? Or Catholic fathers, could you do this? Took place in the Old Testament. Cut it down, stamped upon it, just destroyed it, and burnt it, burnt it at the brook Kidron. There's a real revival. But the high place was not taken away out of Israel. Look at this. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. There's a picture of a leader in Judah, first and foremost, doing the right thing at the right time. Not completely perfect. The high places haven't been taken away which of course goes back to pagan worship but his heart was in the right place I found in 12, 13, 14 and 15 going into 16 and God blessed him for that 
and he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated silver and gold and vessels and there was no more war unto the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa that's the whole key to Psalm 119 it's the land it's having crops it's having food it's having water it's having milk and honey the famous statement milk and honey and if you've got that you've got everything but without that you've got nothing it's not salvation you can die prematurely well of course the wage of sin is death and uh, if you you know that the soul that sins shall die but that just means you go home prematurely not that you go to hell forever 39 119 39 turn away my reproach which i fear he's still fearful the fear of man bringeth a snare for thy judgments are good philippians chapter 1 philippians chapter 1 there's no such thing as now that i'm saved i'm all good and i don't need to do x y and z in fact each year i think it's just check that i think it's philippians 1 uh, yes Philippians 1 each year the Jew had to go to uh, the priest during the day of atonement the Yom Kippur of course which just passed this past month in Israel Yom Kippur before the war kicked off with uh, the Islamists of course and it was a yearly sacrifice to go up to the temple and offer your sacrifice to the priest of course because they were still sinning you see throughout the year that's why John says we need to confess our sins and if we say we haven't sinned we make him a liar I mean, I wish it could be more easy than that. I wish when I first got saved 21 years ago, I didn't sin anymore. But that hasn't been my, my case at all. I still sin. I'm sure you do. And if you don't, you're just kidding yourself. You may have got victory over the big sins. I hope you have done. But those small sins will still get a hold of you, like pride, vanity, recognition, uh, wanting this and wanting that. It's still a throwback to the old man. I want this. I want that. I mean, a real consecrated uh, child of God has just cut himself off from the world, basically even david brainard was you know pretty near but he wasn't perfect and he had his own sinful problems turn away my reproach which i fear for thy judgments are good philippians chapter one please philippians chapter one and uh, look at verse uh, let's see now i want one twenty seven only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of christ that whether i come and see you or else be absent i may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and nothing terrified by your adversaries which is to them an evident token of perdition proof of perdition but to you of salvation and that of god front you is given in the behalf of christ not only to believe on him there's your grace going back to you didn't will it you didn't run to it but you received it not only to believe on him but also to suffer there's a negative of course but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which you saw in me and are here to be in me back to psalm 119 turn away my reproach which i fear i can't live it lord god they're making fun of me they're calling me this they're calling me that and i want to not be fearful of man for thy judgments are good i want you to step up lord and do something for me behold i have longed after thy precepts i'm homesick i'm jailed i'm abroad i'm away from god almighty someone like jeremiah or daniel quicken me make me alive quicken me in thy righteousness back to colossians please and we'll close colossians chapter uh colossians chapter three colossians chapter three and uh, pick it up in verse one if ye then be risen with christ seek those things which are above where christ sitteth 
on the right hand of God. Ephesians 2 says you're already seated in the heavenly places with Christ. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Going back to worldliness, consecration. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. You can't beat that. You are dead, number one. Your life is hid with Christ in God. This goes back to Trinitarianism, which is a fascinating subject. Nobody really understands it. and No analogy will do, do it justice. You can't explain the inexplainable. But uh, when you first got saved, you were put into Christ Jesus. Before Christ was begotten, he was a spirit, of course, as is the Father, as is the Holy Ghost. And he said to the Jews, you haven't seen the shape of God. You haven't heard his voice. If you heard his voice, you would accept it, or his words don't abide in you because you're not of God. And when time began, uh, God Almighty started to prepare a body for Jesus Christ. You read, you read about that in Hebrews chapter 8. That body will always be visible to the human eye. And when you got saved, you put into that body. Now, I'll give a quick crude example of that. You think back to, uh, let's see now, uh, Mark's Gospel. I think it's Mark Mark 16. The Lord says that... Uh, Mary Magdalene had, uh, if I gotta just go there very quickly, uh, Mark 16, get this right. He said that Mary Magdalene had uh, several devils. Uh, let's get this right now. I want Mark 16. And uh, of course, Christ cleared out those unclean spirits. No one knows for sure what an unclean spirit is or a devil, per se. It's difficult to be sure what these things actually are. Some have said they're mosquitoes, possibly. Uh, but uh, here we go uh, Mark 16 16 9 now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week he appeared first to Mary Magdalene out of whom he had cast seven devils so seven devils got inside of her let's say she's five foot one she's five foot two seven devils were inside of her so obviously small insects or small beings whatever you want to call them and she was living with seven spirits unclean spirits inside of her go back to Psalm 119 that's a picture, that's a crude counterfeit of spirits being in a body. And when Christ uh, was given a body, Hebrews 10, a beautiful body without sin, without spot and blemish, we are put inside of him. We are spiritual beings. Our, our souls are invisible to the human eye. And uh, when we leave our bodies, our physical bodies, we've got to be with Christ, of course. And we are put into the body of Christ. Because the devil comes along and he makes that a bad thing. He turns it around. It's like sex before marriage. It gets abused. Or music. Music's a great thing. But you turn it into something ungodly like rock music or some C&W music. You know, it's always about the, the, lust, the, 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 the lost love, basically. Yeah. Or she left me or he left me. Yeah. Or I can't stop drinking. <laughs> or I'm all alone, going to kill myself, that sort of a thing. And that really speaks to the spirits of an unsaved man or woman. But the reality is that once you are in Christ Jesus, going back to Colossians 3, you're in his body. And of course, you can't get out of the body. I mean, those unclean spirits couldn't have come out if Christ hadn't called them out. Now, she called them in through her, lo through her loose living. When you receive Christ, you asked him into your heart, right? You asked him into your life. And of course, he came into your heart, into your life. And he's now bone of your bone. You're now bone of his bone, your flesh of his flesh. So you are in Christ and you can't get out, which is what you don't want to be uh, let out. Obviously not. You're safe in the beloved. And those unclean spirits went into her and they couldn't get out. She couldn't kick them out herself because, of course, she's not able to do so. But Christ called them out and they came out. 
So once you're put into Christ, you know, you, you will never come out of Christ. Do you understand that? That's why you can't lose your salvation. It's not even possible. Colossians 3, 1 again. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Picture of his majesty. Set your affection, your focus, your time, your energy on things above. Not on things on the earth. Not all of the time. Yes, you can have downtime. You can go swimming. You can play tennis, you know, golf, whatever you want. But don't let it take over your life. It's not... Uh, you know what you should be living for for ye are dead dead with christ buried with christ raised with christ but ye are dead for ye are dead and your life down here up there is hid like in a mystery form with christ in god that's quite a statement you are with christ in god not only not only are you part of christ's body but you're also part of god i'll give you one more quickly go to first corinthians uh let's see now first corinthians I think it's 15 or 16 I think it's 15 actually uh, let's see now 1st Corinthians 15 let's see if I can find the verse uh, 15 15 here we go 15 uh, 27 for he hath put all things under his feet but when he sh but when he saith all things are put unto him it is manifest that he is accepted we should put all things under him when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also be subject unto him, that put all things unto him, that God may be all in all. You're in Christ forever, you are in God forever. And the Holy Spirit puts you into the body of Christ. That's Ephesians 4. You are sealed under the day of redemption. So, that is basically how it works in a nutshell. Psalm 119. If you had to summarize it in just 25 seconds just 25 seconds it's dealing with a jew living in the law or living under the law living in israel who wants to stay close to jehovah doesn't want to apostatize and go the way of the gentiles which is what they would do after moses was dead and buried which we'll discuss next time we get to verse 53 and that's the difference between an old testament saint and a new testament christian we can't lose our salvation we can lose our testimony we can die prematurely we can pay a huge price at the judgment seat of christ but as far as our salvation is concerned it's a done deal